0: Everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales, joined once again by guest Tommy Gallagher. Tommy, hello. Hello, I'm glad to be back. Gearing up for a big week. Huge week. Yeah. I'm ready. Yep. Me too. We'll talk about that later. But first, we have to talk about Central Michigan. So Notre Dame won against Central Michigan, 41 to 17. Sam Hartman, 16 to 26, 330 yards, three touchdowns. Audrey estimate, 20 carries, 176 yards, one touchdown. Is that good? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Central Michigan, not so good, but we kind of knew that. Still, it felt a little weird. Um, things felt a little lackadaisical. I felt like a little lazy. Um, it certainly felt to me, at least, like they were looking ahead a little bit. Um, you know, obviously they took care of business and a win by 24 points is not really something to act like this guy is falling about, which I'm certainly not going to be doing. But uh, do you kind of share the sense that, you know, maybe we were
1: looking ahead a little bit? Um Yeah, I think the defense obviously left. The good amount to be desired again. Um, but part of that is just we we're down two starters and arguably the two most important defensive starters we had. Um, I don't know if you agree with that assessment, but down Bertrand and Brown was pretty big. I wouldn't say Brown is the most important, but I think Brown is certainly one of the most yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just like the trickle effect of having to play guys deeper in the depth yes. chart caused a bit of issues and
0: yep. So, yeah, we can talk about the defense first because I think that was really – the like, that's the only place where there was significant annoyance, right. I would say. Um, we didn't know DJ Brown was going to miss the game. We knew JD was out uh, – what was that, a day or two prior maybe with yeah, the concussion. Yeah, he
1: was close to playing.
0: He I, he... I, I have heard if, if it was Ohio State that we were playing, he would have played. Right. Uh, which, you know, I think is smart, you know, to hold him out just, you know, like just in case and we get him ready for next week because we're going to need him next week. Certainly, right, absolutely. Um and you, and you could definitely feel his absence for sure. Just, you know, there were a lot of run fits that were missed. There were a couple of tackles that were missed that he doesn't always miss. Um, and, you know, I think some of the uh, there's something to be said too for J.D. Bertrand is the leader of the defense. And yeah. People have always raved about his intelligence, his leadership, uh, his ability to get people organized. And there's always going to be a bit of an effect on that because you have uh, Jack Kaiser is really, really smart. And Jack Kaiser's great. But he's not J.D. Bertrand in that regard. And I think that some of the defense being a little messy and maybe out of place, that's J.D. too. Because a lot of his job, you see him aligning people around the line of scrimmage all the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. And it's also, I think, yesterday or two days ago now, showed why we generally play two linebackers. Um, The linebacker depth is not elite. I mean, there's some talent, but it's not ready to be. There's no experience. Played, right? There's no experience depth. Sneed, once again. I mean, he had a bigger role, played a lot of snaps, but did he have one tackle? No, he didn't. Didn't have a tackle, was out of place, just didn't know what he was doing out there. And that's just a high level talent guy who just doesn't do anything if he can't be in the right spot And that linebacker. We don't have a ton of depth in that um, regard. So I think that was a big frustrating thing. And then the secondary, I thought Thomas Harper had his best game. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. He nearly took the quarterback's head off. Absolutely. On one sack. But I really was impressed with him. But, I mean, Antonio Carter, I thought, really struggled. Um, he, I thought, did better by the end of the
0: game. Uh, like, we saw Clarence Lewis gave up the the slant over the middle of the field in the, in the red zone, and Carter had that really, really nice tackle. But, um we certainly saw, I mean, some of the, like we said, the trickle down effect of having like guys like DJ Brown out, they sent right. Carter on that run blitz, which was actually perfectly called by Al Golden and Carter gets right in there and then just overshot it. And it turned into what was like a 20 yard rush. Right. Like, and he missed the tackle a couple
1: plays yeah. later.
0: Uh, yeah. Which and certainly, then, I mean, DJ Brown hasn't really done that this year. Right,
1: And Henderson didn't play much after the first couple possessions, which I, which I thought was interesting, um, but I don't. I don't know. It, well, like and
0: maybe this is conspiracy theory me here, but that could be partially, um, you know, like Carter, we know is a very high ceiling at safety, and he hasn't played a ton at safety. So he was right. a corner when he was at Rhode Island, and I could see maybe they wanted to see if he's ready for more of an advanced role against Ohio State uh, and just kind of throwing him into the fire. He didn't really pass the test no. necessarily,
1: but. And this is, I think, maybe also on that note, I think there were too many times where we had the second team defense playing largely where they were full on series in the first half when the game was still relatively close that cam hart and benjamin morrison are on the bench and uh howard cross isn't playing and i get you want to give the other guys reps but save that for when we're up three scores in the second half not when it's 21-14, yeah. 21-14, right before the half. I will say,
0: in defense of the corner, I have no problem with the corners getting work right. because uh, Mickey and Gray have both done yeah. very well so far. The, that pass interference against Mickey was oh, yeah. horrendous. Terrible. Which, I mean, the, the refing was terrible. Yeah. Both from the quality of calls that were being made to the process of which some of the calls were received to the refs just staring at something and yeah. then not it, very confusing The uh, um, you know, uh, you guys that listen to this probably have seen all over the place. There have been plenty of other breakdowns of incorrect calls that were made on Saturday. It was it was very ugly. Did not help us out very much. I wouldn't say.
1: Um, I will say on that. Just while we're talking about it, we'll get out of the way. The penalties got to get cleaned up. Yes. Um, the Mills roughing the passer is just inexcusable by a fifty-year student. Um, just hits the quarterback two steps after he threw the ball for no reason. There's. Mm -hmm. The stays holding on the edge. He didn't need to do that. Miss Mitchell Evans for that one. Right. Mitchell Evans would have been helpful there. And we'll kind of talk about the O-line, I'm sure, later. But yes, they kind of had some holds. And it just got to clean up. All the penalties, we were were offsides on a kickoff. Like again,
0: it was it was sloppy. It was again, we just we weren't we weren't fully there. Right. Um. Back to the the defense though with the the rotations and the second stringers and all that. Um. You know, I saw some people complaining. They were like, "Oh, Howard Cross didn't have as good of a game." And and I thought to myself, that doesn't really make sense because Howard Cross didn't play. Like it was essentially what I noticed was it felt like we were doing this in the second quarter on. We would have a bunch of the second team guys come in and play most of the early downs, and then we get a third down, and that was when you would see like a JJB and a Jordan Batello and Howard Cross come back on the right. field, which again signaled to me either a Al Golden is a little off as rocker, or they were ju- again they they were not very concerned about the game and they were trying to get a bunch of guys in, which right. I, maybe not how I would have done it week before Ohio State, but that's what they were doing. Yeah. So
1: it, I mean, it still ended in a twenty-four point win, so you can't complain too much but let's just say I wasn't thrilled being up 21 14 and a half
0: no no I I certainly wasn't but
1: also at the
0: end of the day they only they scored 17 points and if you look at the stats like if the total game stats they had 268 total yards they were 10 of 20 passing and they were averaging 3.9 yards a carry we had those two touchdown drives where again we had penalties and we were really sloppy but other than that like I, it, fluky isn't really the right word, but it was like we it's penalty aided. Yes, That's they were they lot. were very self inflicted mistakes, and they also like I don't think they're indicative of like large problems. If, if right. that makes any sense, like those are very easily fixable, and it's like, hey, yes. we have a big game against Ohio State. Don't be stupid. Also, yeah. you know, tackle your guy. Jalen Snead is not going to be getting. 30 snaps. 30 snaps at middle linebacker, certainly. Jalen Steed will be relegated exclusively to third and long pass rush off the edge situations, which is a very good use of his talents right now. Off the ball linebacker, not so much. Yeah,
1: I mean, it really is. And that's been a trend for two weeks now where it's these other teams are driving because we're helping them with penalties and they just need to put a couple good plays together. Um, And, I mean, we've certainly seen teams in the past have penalty issues that go throughout the year. But I feel like these penalties are ones that, we should be better than yeah. Um, no, I'd I agree. I would we're agree. Generally a well-coached team. So they shouldn't. Mm-hmm.
0: It's consider. not like this was an issue last year. Right. So. I, it, it's not something I'm super concerned about, but again, like next week we'll be telling, right. If we have more of the problems next week, then I think there's a problem. Right. But until then, it's hard to say it's anything more than the last two weeks. have just been a little weird.
1: Yeah, and it's really frustrating to watch as a fan, um, just mm-hmm. to see the penalties pile up week after week for two weeks. But yeah, uh, there should be no reason not to be completely focused this coming week. Yes, I would agree. Um, so and then we should talk about the pa- the defensive line in the pass rush, like
0: the edges specifically, because I think there's a inter- like. I don't think the conversation is as clear cut as some people like to make it out as um, like the, the defensive line did not or the, the edge defenders, I should say, did not have any sacks, but. They only threw the ball 20 times because even with Bert Emanuel, their quarterback, who you have an affinity for, I noticed in the, in the lead up to the game, he was out. And I don't remember the name of the other guy, uh, Jace Bauer. Yeah, sorry. Uh, 10 of 27, 10 of 20 for 137 yards. And he was running the ball a lot too. He ran the ball 13 times, only ran the ball for 16 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 1.2 yards to carry uh, for math people. Like, it, it ended up – it felt like a game kind of like NC State where it was more just they had to keep contain and they couldn't really, like, let loose. But I also felt like some of the guys did a decent job of getting – like, JJB had five pressures. Yep. Like, he was getting after it. Botella was a little bit quieter. But, I, you know, actually, give me your thoughts. And then I, I have, like, a Batello thing I want to do. I'm I, curious what you JJB
1: was the one who impressed me the yes. most on the d yep. Without yep. a doubt, he Absolutely. early in the game had – two plays where you kind of chase the play a mm-hmm. uh, side to side play down from behind and yeah. that's in the run game and that's something that people weren't sure you'd be able to do at the beginning of the year so I really like seeing that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know it was weird watching because you knew they couldn't throw the ball but the run defense felt like it struggled more because of some missed tackles but even yeah. then we look at the stats it's four yards a rush not even but they didn't like central Michigan didn't really have an interest in throwing the ball. They got the third and no. 15 or so a couple times and they would just motion a guy on a quarterback draw. Um, yep. So I,
0: I, I did also, to... I felt like we did a decent job of like the pot, like the, what was his name? I just said it. Jay, yes. Jace like he wasn't comfortable in the pocket. Not that we were like getting particular, like not like we were crushing him, but he was he moved a lot because like he, we kind of guided him out of the pocket a decent amount. I I thought
1: that was something worth noting. Right. I mean realistically not a very good quarterback. No, oh god um, no. 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 I think in the lead up to the game I did see their O-line as one of their better offensive units a low bar obviously. I, like we should still be dominating them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, again, I'm just getting back to like we didn't get sacks. We got two sacks not from right. the edge rushers, but it like they're still getting pressure and they're still affecting the game. They're just not finishing. And some of that, again, I, I think is we have played four teams and none of them have like a drop back passer quarterback. Right. Which I think is just under like, and again, maybe we'll get to Ohio State and I'm wrong and this is legitimately like we're just not gonna be able to finish all year. But like Kyle McCord in theory is the first quarterback all year who cannot move and is not a running quarterback. And I I, I think the pass rush, I feel like the pass rush is gonna look different than it did
1: today. Yeah. And I we can talk about this in more detail later, I'm sure. But I think back to last year with the Ohio State game, it was we had one sack on Stroud, and that was the first possession. Yeah, yep. But we just had effectively covered sacks where there was just no one open. Mm-hmm. So I know it's frustrating that we can't get pressure at times or it doesn't seem like we are, but our secondary is good enough. That, oh, that yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Overcome. But but I'm also I, I also mean to say that, like, I think the the pass rush is better than the stats okay. with, or the yeah. I, I, it's a, I think the stats are almost look better than the eye test in that regard, because like we're getting pressure, like the, the numbers are showing we're getting pressure and quarterbacks are not doing well when they're getting pressured by Notre Dame defenders. Like our defensive linemen are just not getting to the quarterback as much. So that's what I want to watch next week because I think, you know, obviously that'll be pretty important. Like I, so I think, I think we'll get pressure. It's just more like, are we going to be able to finish some of these plays and we should be able to finish more of them because McCord is not that same type of quarterback that we played previously. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about Jordan Patello a little bit, you know, maybe I should have briefed you on this beforehand, so, uh, but I, it's a very interesting evaluation or you can have a very interesting evaluation of him because he hasn't had a ton of splash plays this year is as, as Isaiah Fosky's successor. But I really haven't had a ton of negative things to say about him. Like there was a Tennessee State, he missed that one tackle when he was out in coverage on the flat. But like I feel like the big plays, like the the stupid plays have kind of passed him by a little bit. And I'm wondering if that's kind of what you're looking for, or what do you think?
1: Yeah, so I you brought up Patello here, and I was thinking for a minute, and I think. I don't really remember having comments on Mattello or seeing him out there like doing anything. in a sense. So I guess yeah. my question
0: for you is like, wh- like, how do you feel about that? Right. It, yeah, yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's like D line is one of those positions where if you're not, there can be times you're not getting noticed, but that just means you're doing like, you're not making mistakes. And then D line, you can like Howard like, cross. It's like the epitome of that. Right. those right? like, like, tackles a lot. You, yeah. you never hear about them, but they're, they're making the plays, but like you expect them to make the tackle for yes. a two yard game. Yep. And I think Mattello is certainly some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely good that we aren't hearing his name as oh he made a big mistake. because mm-hmm. um, we would hear that you know, right. The years and, prior. Yeah. Right. And that's something that's very noticeable when watching a game. Yep. But I do think there is some to be left desired. Um yeah. I don't think at edge rush you're looking for someone who's not gonna make mistakes. Yep. You're gonna mm-hmm. you need at least one dude who can go out there and hit the quarterback under control. Get to the quarterback, make those sacks, and finish it off. But I will see as we said. Once we see some more traditional pocket passers, I think especially last week against NC State, he definitely was being told, "Look, contain the edge." And I thought he did a
0: very good job against NC right. State.
1: Um, it's a lot of you have to contain the edge because he's definitely someone who, if you tell him to go, he's going to go, and they get outside.
0: Yep. I am a little worried that we we might almost be asking too much of him from a uh, a workload standpoint, just because uh, junior Tui Alamaka really hasn't done he much at a all. More this week, like Burnham, it, it definitely seems like Josh Burnham is the backup to both JJB and Jordan Patello at this point. Uh, with Aiden Gobert going down and and Nana, um, like obviously Nana is still in that rotation at strong side defensive end, but Burnham is playing both sides for sure. Um, but you certainly like, I, I don't think Burnham has shown quite enough where, you know, he's going to be getting a ton of snaps with Botello. So that's something to watch too, just because Batello's never really had a workload like this before either. Um, so that, that's probably one of the guys I'll be watching, not to get into the Ohio State preview, but Botello will be one of the guys I'm watching the most in terms of w- will, uh, will he be capable of kind of like letting it rip and just really going back to like going after McCord in a
1: way that maybe he hasn't all season. Right, while still not being stupid and yes. hitting someone high when he's not supposed to. Yes, which we've seen him do a couple mm-hmm. times. Or,
0: or it's even as simple as just like overrunning the pocket, things right. like that. Because even just over aggression, just like it, it within the confines of a football play, it's been troubling for him yeah. before, not this year, but before, right, for sure. Um, so I, you know, I feel like we talked a lot about the defense. Um, I mean, you know, we missed J D. Bertrand and. Uh, Gabe Rubio and DJ Brown. It sounds like they're all coming back, which is great. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't sound like they are all coming back uh, according to Marcus Freeman in his press conference today. So that's great. Excited about that. Um, And then, yeah, we don't need to talk about Ohio State. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Anything else we need to talk about from this past week?
1: No, I don't think so defensively.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. So, all right, we'll take a quick break. Talk about the offense. (laughs) Offense doesn't have nearly the same quibbles, I would say, as the or concerns we'll go with as the defense did. Uh, I, I say this all in quotation marks, right? Because, you know, we, we won pretty handedly. Uh But, you know, there, there were certainly some things to quibble about, but, you know, we can start on a good note. Tobias Merriweather, he's here. You he's right. alive. Let's see if ESPN fixed the stats. I still didn't. They gave Cam Hart an extra catch for 10 yards. But <laughs> Tobias Merriweather looked pretty good on that little single coverage there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, more of a coverage bust maybe than anything else. But I mean, he was able to run down the field. Hartman hit him perfectly in stride, 75-yard touchdown. Pretty yeah, great to see.
1: I mean, I'll, it was a coverage bust, but we can give Parker credit for drawing that one up. That yep. was something that had been noted pregame that that DB like to try and jump routes early in the game, and he jumped, tried the jumper route underneath, and Tobias just went right by him. So we'll give credit where credit's due.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, the other thing i like
0: too was I mean, they got him involved in the offense a little bit more. They had him do a little slant over the middle and they had him do an out route on, was it third down? I think that maybe it wasn't, right. but it was, it was short at least. Uh, and Merriweather caught both of them with his hands. And he, you know, like he had to be a little more physical than he has been, which has been a criticism. Uh, so that's really encouraging that they got him involved. Uh, and then, you know, we saw Tyree just bomb down the field. Again, it was kind of similar. He actually had to catch a ball like a wide receiver, which like, you know, he's been doing all year, but certainly was something I was a little skeptical of going into the season. Like, we hear those reports he caught, I think it was 18,000 oh, yeah. balls or something over the offseason, just really trying to make sure he could play like a receiver. And apparently it, it worked. So, yeah. I mean. It's
1: crazy to see a downfield passing game like that for their name. I'm sure we've said it before, but when's the last time we've had a quarterback and receivers who can throw and catch down the field and actually complete it? Yeah. Um, it's not, I mean, really isn't even something we saw with Jack Cone. Um We tried the deep balls, but.
0: Outside of Florida State, it really didn't work. They, so, right. They just yeah. weren't
1: caught. Um, so that's refreshing to see. I think for me, the biggest thing offensively was 578 yards of offense with no turnovers. Yep. Yeah. And that's a th- that's part of the reason
0: why I'm not getting too worked up over this game or anything. Like, I know some people, you know, like the internet would have had you thinking we were losing at halftime, but um, we outgained them by, it was like 300 yards. We were averaging almost, if not 10 yards a play. Like, we dominated the game. Some some of those drives were a little weird.
1: Stuff happens. Like we won by 24. You know. Yeah, I don't think the offense really is too much for me to complain no, I, about. And I do have some stuff we'll get to. Right. A bit, There's but, a couple yeah. things, and we'll talk about it. But I mean, anytime you go 578 yards and no turnovers, that's a really good day offensively. I don't care yeah. who it's against.
0: Yep. So my next question for you. So uh, we had been saying the last couple of weeks. You know, sometimes on this pod, in fact uh we've been questioning you know what does what do the shot plays in this offense look like do we have them do we have the guys who are capable of, of catching them but we hadn't tried one we really only had one we had the one to merriweather in the navy game that was uh, should have been a pass interference it wasn't and other than that we have not attempted one that hasn't stopped notre dame from being an explosive offense we've been picking up 20 plus yard plays left and right because it's just you know kind of what this team does but this is the first time we saw hartman really slinging it down the field that we had guys catching them we had four plays of at least 40 yards we had let me rephrase jaden thomas had a 39 yard pass i'm assuming you can forgive me for that uh, rico flores had a 42 yard catch tobias merriweather had a 75 yard catch chris tyree had a 76 yard catch all of them perfectly placed deep balls by yeah. sam hartman we know how good sam hartman is it's just great to see that in action but my question is to get there do you think it was good or bad to show those explosives beforehand um, I think there's two different ways you can look at it. I'm curious. Right. Your you know,
1: are. I think if you had asked me before the game, coming into this game, I was saying, let's be as vanilla as often as possible on offense, just go kind of base personnel, do what we've done, mm-hmm. get it done. But then we did that and it wasn't like pretty much all of them were just straight go routes. Yep. And it showed that we have it and are capable of it. Yeah in terms of I thought the Flores one was the most impressive Oh, because that was the a coverage dot. was still pretty tight and yep. Flores just made a beautiful catch on a ball that was placed in the bread basket essentially. Oh, so good. But I like that is something that has to be respected. Mm-hmm. Um if Hartman sees single coverage like that on a deep ball, he's capable of hitting that and the receivers have shown that uh, showed yesterday or the other day they can catch those and I think if you force teams to respect that a little more That will help open up underneath passes a little more, which is always good to get yards because Hartman can hit those throws. And then probably more importantly, it opens up the run game.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was kind of where I landed on it. And I I think there's definitely something to be said too with like the two guys that we took the big, big shots for being Merriweather and Tyree. I mean, those are the guys who probably need the most work doing things like that, right? right? Because those are the two guys we want to do those with consistently. And neither of them really had a ton of experience catching those types of balls on the college field. And I, I think that just does a lot for confidence and comfortability, both on the quarterback's part, Harker's part, and the receiver's part, especially Merriweather, right? I mean, we've been trying to get him going all year. And now the last two weeks, he's really shown something both. And I, I think he's a legitimate weapon you have to take into consideration for Ohio State now, which is something that, you know, we weren't really thinking about. Maybe the coaches were, but now they're definitely thinking about it, right? Like, how can we best use Tobias in this game plan, for yeah. sure. Uh, I think it also kind of shows um, – maybe it doesn't show, but, like, at least it, it kind of seems like to me that that's also like – a commitment to the run game in terms of like we they want to be able to run the ball next week. It's gonna be huge. And to we need to get as light of boxes as possible because Audric will eat you. We know we know what right. will happen if you give Audric any space to run the ball at right. all. And it's important that we give him the the oxygen to do so.
1: Right. Um the run game is really set up by the pass. Mm-hmm. Um there's been a lot of talk about that. And it's weird for Nerd Abe not to necessarily be run first. Um who cares? Though, right. right. I like, agree. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's so different, but like, it's a very different look than we're used to seeing yeah, around here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's still, Audric is one of the best backs in the country. Undoubtedly, um, yeah. Especially when it gets to the third and fourth quarter and opposing defenses are tired. Um, I mean, he had 78 yards on a fourth quarter drive. And granted, it's Central Michigan, their defenders were dropping left and right because they were just getting exhausted. But yep. 78 yards on one drive is a lot of yards. Mm-hmm.
0: God, it it really is interesting that he doesn't get more national attention than he does, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, people hate Notre Dame. I'm genuinely not trying to do that right now, but like, he's so good. He's leading the country in rushing yards, right? Obviously with an extra game, but he is leading the country in rushing yards. Fourth in yards per game, I think. Yes, he's averaging 8.3 yards a carry. He's got five touchdowns. He's got like four hurdles already that look awesome. And he just, he's just a funny dude, right? Right. I mean, he looks massive and he's online and he did the the show me the green jerseys video. Like he's certainly been promoted by Notre Dame, but for whatever reason, uh, you know, national... Media hasn't really latched onto him. Maybe Ohio State changes that. Because,
1: I, I was going to say, I think it's Ohio State can change that this week. And then it's also, I think he just still kind of plays in the shadows behind Sam Hartman. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. You don't hear anyone talking bad about Sam Hartman. No, certainly not.
0: Um, so, I mean, overall, like we said, not a lot to complain about. I will quibble a little bit. The the blocking was a little inconsistent at times. Uh, I mean, we saw Holden stays with a hold on what should have been another Audrick touchdown uh Mitchell Evans is coming back that'll certainly help um I know people are excited about stays and I'm excited about stays because he's shown a lot he even had that one-handed touchdown today but he also had a drop there's certainly some inconsistency there that he needs to work on very much kind of like a young Tommy Trumbull uh someone said that to us that we know I don't remember who made that comment. it was you or Drew so someone said it I I generally like the like the thought there on that um so you know he's not he's not Michael Mayer Certainly not. So I think it'll be good to have another option, another experienced player in Mitchell Evans in there for Ohio State.
1: Yeah, that'll definitely help with the tight end spot. Um, It also will have a trickle down effect there. As as much as I like Flanagan and Davis Sherwood, those guys probably won't play as much next week.
0: I will say, I did feel like Flanagan did well um in the I limited really action so he much, got but, i thought he had a couple of nice blocks right. here and there and you know we weren't really sending enough for routes or anything
1: but i thought he held up well as so a true freshman he's physically yes. he's already built very well considering right. he's yes. like 19 yes. at the most right now um but it's one of those things like having if we go two tight end sets having Evans and stays you got one who's going to block and but could go out for a pass and the other is just a good route runner uh it can really change that um I think my biggest concern offensively, and it needs to get cleaned up fast, is the right side of the O-line.
0: Yep, and we'll um, we'll talk about it more
1: this week for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, it's weird because largely they do a good job. The left side has been – I really haven't had much to complain about. I mean, Coogan had like a holding penalty, Everyone's I Every once in a while,
1: Coogan has a play. But
0: there. largely, Coogan's fine. Yeah. We know how good Joel is. Corell is largely pretty good. I mean, he'll struggle a little bit against some of the bigger guys, which is going to be a key point for Ohio State, I think, for sure. But, you know, Corell's solid. The problem is Rocco and Blake are maddeningly inconsistent, I would say. Largely in the run game, they're pretty good, right? I mean, the run game is run game, they the they're fine. Um, and, and certain people, like certain respected media members that you and I trust, have tried to argue that they're really not doing that bad of a job in pass pro. But I think the thing that sticks out to me is their failures are – very, very pronounced. Like
1: they're when they
0: whiff, like they whiff big and it looks bad because Hartman just gets like a free rusher into his face, kind of like what we saw once or twice today.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely a lot of it, but I think there's like there are times where Hartman, I noticed it a lot this Saturday, and maybe I was watching it more closely, but there were times Hartman completed the pass and had time, but Fisher was still getting beat off the edge. Yeah. Um the guy kind of had the circle to get to the quarterback, but mm-hmm. If Hartman didn't have, if he needed to take an extra second or two, he might not have had a look he needed. And that's just so surprising to me because I have really been impressed with Blake Fisher throughout his career. Mm -hmm. And to see him kind of regress so far this year, it's a little concerning, especially with bigger things ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you for sure. Uh, and, you know, Rocco, it's just a matter of, he's just got to play more, right? I mean, he, it, it, he's always been said to have been raw as a pass blocker, and it's just going to take him time to get there and, and get a little bit quicker in terms of his recognition and passing people off, getting his hands ready, things like that. Um, so that's certainly, like, I don't think it's it's necessarily going to be like this the entire season, because I don't think that's right. fair to him as a player and just how, you know, offensive lines grow over time. Blake, Blake, I'm a little I'm a little worried in terms of, you know, we've already seen you get better. Why are you playing like this now? Like, what changed? Well, Joe Rudolph, obviously, has been here. But the rest of the line is doing well.
1: So it's like, so what? what is causing you to play this way? I think there's also something to say that the staff kind of knows about these issues mm-hmm. pretty clearly. Considering NC State, we went with Alt mm-hmm. moving next to Fisher for yeah, a handful of plays absolutely. and trying to stack aside. Yeah. Yep. I think that's trying to hide some. Which, by the way, I, I haven't looked at this play. Maybe you have. Did we put someone else in at left tackle? um the tight end was like okay so evans, i think evans was in the left okay tackle spot. all right cool just curious
0: yeah okay um and that'll be another thing having mitchell evans back like you could have him chip and help yep. out with blake too. that's what that'll i was be gonna say because that's was, not really something
1: stays is doing right i would think we'll have him off right tackle a lot um helping out there yeah for sure um
0: but so th- that'll be something to watch and again we'll talk about it later Certainly. But that, that'll be one of the, the, the keys to the game is how do you feel about the right side of the offensive line in terms of holding it up things like that? Um, I, You know, I don't really know how much else there's to talk about because it, it was just easy. You, you could certainly complain that Hartman was holding the ball a little bit too much. Like he had a couple options, lower down, like checkdowns
1: that he could have taken and he didn't. But also
0: again, like we scored 41 points. He was slinging it, whatever.
1: See, I, I saw people online, like respected writers talking about Hartman was not hitting checkdowns underneath and, I'm a little confused by that just because maybe it was just my vantage point, but I didn't see many of those where he obviously passed up on throwing an underneath route that would have gotten yards.
0: I will say, you know, the angle we had for the view was not not spectacular, which was our fault, and we'll we'll rectify that going forward. But, yeah, generally I would agree with you. And also, Sam Hartman averaged 12.7 yards in attempt. So things clearly worked out okay for Mr. Hartman
1: there. I think it was interesting on the running backs that no one besides – uh Andrick got more than three carries
0: yeah that was certainly something uh it, it certainly that was the
1: first time all year it really was like that it
0: felt like price was more of a uh like pitch count like it's like we're trying to ease you back in don't want to ride him too hard love okay. i, I would have liked to see more carries Devin ford, snaps. Devin ford didn't get a single carry uh which i thought was no. a little strange they i mean catch, he was on the field actually yeah. yep but... which another thing that i should have pointed out that i didn't get to I Very much enjoyed the play where Jeremiah Love caught the ball, like the swing pass, and was able to go yes. upfield because it showed, first of all, you know, he had good hands to catch it up high. Uh, he had great balance because he almost tripped over and then immediately was getting tackled by Dube, but he broke free the tackle and stayed upright, was able to charge through for a first down. Uh, like I said, it re- it's really great just because all of the criticism or th- the very few criticisms that people had of him as a player had very clearly been not true in terms of he has been very physical, he has shown a willingness to run between the tackles, have good vision. I mean, the pass pro's got to get there. Obviously. But but you know, we've said this before about a lot of other running backs, they figure it out. So, just a really really it's been an encouraging start to the year for him.
1: Right. And it's clear that the staff knows he's always a step or two away from a big play considering how much you're playing him just kind of hoping that he breaks through mm-hmm. and gets that play. Cuz like if he finds a hole and gets space, he will go the distance. He's yeah. got that speed and he's been close on a couple um so I think it's clear to try trying to get him snaps and get him involved so that he can find that uh, big play.
0: Yeah. Like, it'd be really interesting to see if we played him on a different year's team in terms of, you know, Josh Adams had that incredible freshman year as the number two running back behind pro sites. But we were also, we were just running the ball more back then because Sam Hartman is, you know, a different quarterback than Deshaun Kaiser. Like, right. I think there's a world where, and even maybe this could change down the stretch of the season where we just give him
1: a heavier workload. And he just flies. Right. I would think... Especially, yeah, as the season goes on, he'll definitely be more involved. Mm-hmm. Just as eight games in eight weeks is tough.
0: Yeah, I, re- I really want to be careful with SMA's workload. I mean, right. you, you hope to avoid a situation where he has to get 20 carries against a team like Central Michigan just because he's so crucial for games like Ohio State and USC and Clemson. Uh, just keeping consistency in your run game and bringing stability to your offense in the fourth quarter.
1: And I guess the flip side of that is, like, while he probably shouldn't have needed 20 carries this past week, week zero and week one, he combined for – 40 snaps yeah not right very yep. snaps like there has been some effort to limit how much he's playing so i guess one week of him getting a heavier workload than needed mm-hmm. is fine
0: for now oh and that's what's remarkable too right is he he's his snap count is not necessarily in line with you know what it will be consistently and he's still just producing like crazy i mean he's got what was the number 44 missed tackles that's something a, crazy. that's insanity like yeah. he's a, a very legitimate nfl prospects like Yes. There are not a lot of running backs. Like not that he's going to be a first-round pick or anything, but there are not a lot of running backs like Audrey Estime in terms right. of how outrageously physical they are. But he's also a little more athletic than I think even I'd give him credit for. I don't think he would ever be able to run away from people like he did in that NC
1: State game. Right. Would have liked to see him run away from the CMU guys. But yeah. he already hurtled two, three guys already at that point. So I'd give, him, I'd give him a break for a second. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Um, All right. So, I mean, that's, that's basically it from the CMU game, right? I mean, it was sloppy, but... Ultimately, like, even if they seemed disinterested and like this, both the staff and the players were looking on to Ohio State, they took care of business. They, they, everyone figured it out in the end. They relaxed. And it was
1: okay. 24-point win, scored 40-plus again.
0: We can't cover every game. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd rather not cover here than cover against Ohio State. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anything else we want to talk about in the landscape? Deuce Knight, giving you any impassioned takes
1: right now? No. I like, I'm not really even... It's bad to say I'm not all that excited that we just got a top 75 quarterback commit, but I've learned that we are a long way from signing day, mm-hmm. and he's someone who's transferred high schools multiple times. I, I just struggle to see him signing in 16 months, but we'll see. I guess yeah, good I'll, that he committed now and the chance that he sticks. But
0: mm-hmm. uh, did you see that video that he put out? I it, did not. It's actually very good. Cool, right. I'll show it to you when we're done, but it, it, it's very well made. Um, all I'll really say is I'll just comment more on like the, the type of recruit that he is and stylistically, um, he's six, four, uh, runs a verified, uh, four, five, and has a 42 inch vertical that that's pretty, uh, that'll play we'll, yeah. we'll, the, to, to put that in one, in one statement. Um, we haven't really taken a quarterback like him in a while uh buckner is certainly like in terms of like being raw like kind of the same way but he was also like given the the play that he had was much more polished than what deuce knight is um and normally i'm against taking guys like that on a regular basis just because i prefer my guys to be a little more uh, consistent like kenny minji types in terms of like you know they're they're very mechanical and cj car yeah cj car style already Yes. yes um but given the way the qb room is set up like I think you can take a guy like this every now and then. So, like, again, just given the quarterback room next year is at a minimum, it's Angeli, Carr, Minchie. That's not including any transfers we bring in. That, that's like You can throw in one incredibly toolsy, high upside project like that.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, it really says a lot, though, about the staff to get Minchie, Carr, and Knight to yeah. commit in three straight years. That's mm-hmm. a huge upgrade over yeah. what we've done so in the past.
0: Credit to Freeman. Credit to Parker. Right. Credit to Tommy Reese. As much as people don't want to hear it, Tommy Rees played a decent part in putting this together.
1: Is it in poor taste to mention how our former quarterbacks? No, I weekends? was I was
0: going to get there. And okay. it was more just going to be a credit to Hartman. Like, it, it's it's just really, really cool, like, having a quarterback that is this good. Because we haven't had that play in a couple of years. And even the, the good guys that we had before Hartman, were they were good in different ways and certainly not at the same high level. Right? Yeah. What Sam Hartman is doing is really, really, really good. And I'm very appreciative of that.
1: Yeah. I mean... You look at what other past Notre quarterbacks did elsewhere this weekend. and
0: Are you proud of me for not being particularly devi- aggressive about one of them? Are you proud yeah. Of you?
1: yeah. Um, you just look at what the three other quarterbacks did who transferred away. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what Sam Hartman did. And you really have even more of an appreciation. He's incredible. He really is. We're very lucky to have him this year.
0: We're very lucky. I hope people don't. I, I mean, I would hope people don't take it for granted because it's so out of out of the blue for us to
1: have a season like this, but like it, this is special. People won't take it for granted if this week goes as it could.
0: That's a good Let's point. Tom.
1: Say that. That's a great point.
0: And I think we'll end on that because, like I said, we're going to save that. Uh, I will be with with Tom. I got Tom on that pod uh, Wednesday night. Like I'll record it Wednesday night and I'll release it then or Thursday morning. Uh, we'll do a preview pod for Ohio State. Uh, because that's what we're gonna do because we're gonna get people excited about it. We're gonna talk about the game and then a lot to talk about, yeah. And then okay, we will have a lot to talk about. And then Sunday, we'll have the post game pod, which you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it, it could go very differently depending on the outcome. What do you, <laughs> you, you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah. Um, I hope we can have the same upbeat tone we've had.
0: Yeah. I mean, depending on how things go, we can do it freaking Saturday night. I would just bring the microphone to the stadium and just plop it down. But yeah, somehow I don't know if that would get the same quality that I really shoot for. Uh, <laughs> Security might not allow it either. No. Yeah. And then am thinking the quality of the guests may be a little difficult. Just with that the, is true. The brain level activity going on after, yeah. you know, you know, yeah, yeah, you get what I mean. So, all right. Preview pod Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Uh, be there. See you guys soon.